So we always help our buyers get to 20%. That's regardless if you're buying a property okay. over a million or under a million. It's especially valuable because as you know, any property over a million, you have to have 20%. So yep. a home buyer has to contribute minimum of 5%. And then we essentially put in the difference to get them to 20. Our bro's minimum contribution is 5%. So that means that the homeowner can contribute anywhere from 5% to 15% of the purchase price towards their down payment. And then they get the corresponding share. So if they did 5% and our bro did 15, the homeowner would have a 25% share and Arbor would have mm -hmm. a 75, but it could also go vice versa and anywhere in between. There's no administration fees. There's no interest on that contribution. We do get a share of the upside. In some instances, if we have 75% share in the property, that's a considerable share of the future profit of that property. You just share in the appreciation and the amount you share in the appreciation is based on the percentage of down payment initially. That's right. Gotcha. So if you put in half the down payment, you'll get half of the appreciation. Correct. Terms. Okay. So people do ask us, like, what's what's the catch? It's like, it's essentially free when, when, money. When, when, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. We've got a really interesting guest. The company's called Arboro, which is this startup based out of Toronto. We've got Alex, their chief product officer, on, and she's going to tell us about their business model, which is effectively they give you down payments on property and then profit share on the appreciation of the property. And I say give you because it is not a loan in the traditional sense. You do not have to make payments back on it. You do not pay interest on it. They effectively just get a share in the home. Now, of course, there are, are restrictions and we're going to talk about all of that, but it's really cool and they're really crushing it in Toronto because there the barrier to entry is so high. You need these big down payments of 20% just to get your foot in. And how many people like don't have the advantage of maybe, you know, the bank of mom and dad to come in and, and, and give that down payment amount. This company has come in, they're, they're, they're driven by social impact. They say they want to help people who've maybe been marginalized from the housing market to get a chance to get a foothold. So I think the first question right off the hop is what is our borough? I, I came across it just, I think through a Google search or a news article somewhere. And I thought when I read the first headline, I was like, this seems really interesting. But before I make any mistakes, uh, Alex, if you can introduce it, that would be amazing. Yes, of course. It is different and it's novel, but the brilliance of it is actually it's quite simple, right? We have um, imagined home ownership the same way for decades, for hundreds of years, which is you own 100% of the home. And mm -hmm. Arbro essentially is challenging that. We're saying the barriers towards getting into home ownership are so significant now that less and less people are able to access what has been one of the most stable forms of generational wealth creation. So Arbro comes in with that down payment contribution. We help towards the down payment. We don't put in all of it. The buyer has to come to the table with at least 5%. So we contribute towards a down payment. And in exchange, we get an equity share in the future appreciation of that property. So when that property is sold, and only if that property actually increases in value, do we make money? So it's quite simple in that way. We're a co-owner that never sets foot on your property. And we, by providing that initial equity down payment, there's no interest, it's not a debt instrument, and we get essentially a share of the upside. And if the property decreases in value, then we're at risk of losing our investment in the same way. So in, in some respects, this reminds me of a few government programs that I know we certainly have here in Nova Scotia. You're based in, in Ontario, we should, we should mention that as well, where the government tries to do a similar model um, <laughs> For you know, you'll sometimes see them advertised as, as a free down payment or zero down payment programs. What would you say are, if you're familiar with those programs, mm -hmm. areas that our borough kind of is, is, in your opinion, a, a better model perhaps in going through those government offer programs? 
Yes. Um, I might even argue to say like, uh, um, our bro is objectively a better model in, in some of these <laughs> programs. I mean, for, like, so this is, it's wonderful to be able to go into it because um, you're referring to the government, the federal government, CMHC's first time home buyer incentive program, where they do have a yeah. down payment assistance program. They call it a shared equity yeah. mortgage. Um, it's quite different from ours. There's, there are the restrictions aside, there's some very specific restrictions on the value yeah. of the property, income restrictions, et cetera, um, which really makes it only applicable to a small margin of the population. Definitely nobody in urban centers, but also, and it is valuable. It's like an innovative program. It's wonderful for the government to have these programs available, especially for those in rural areas where they do qualify. It, it, it is great. Um, that said, though, for those who don't qualify for the program, it's important to know the CMHC program is structured a bit much more like a loan product than the Arbor mm -hmm. one is. Yep. There is there is a collateral charge placed on the property that essentially gives them like a um, security against the property, and they have a a ceiling like which which is great. There is a maximum amount of return that they can get out of the property. But at the same time, because it's more like a loan product, there's a floor as well, too. So if the property decreases in value, regardless, the homeowner is obligated to pay back a portion of that government's initial down payment contribution. So with our borough, not only are we not on, we're not on title to the property, there's no lien or collateral charge placed on the property. We use other legal measures to be able to protect our interest, but also our risk is always parapassu with the homeowner. If the property increases in value, the return on investment, like on a percentage basis, is identical always to what the homeowner gets. And if the property decreases in value, then we're at risk of losing 100% of our investment. Interesting. Okay, so I want to go back to the actual, how the program works. So you're saying a homeowner needs to have 5%. Do you guys then match that? Or are you guys putting in more sometimes? Like if someone's bringing 5%, you're putting in 10%. Great um, question. Yeah. Yeah, what does that look like? So we always help our buyers get to 20%. That's regardless if you're buying a property okay. over hmm. a million or under a million. It's especially valuable because as you know, any property over a million, you have to have 20%, which is just mind blowing to think that, you know, people, you need to have $200,000 saved to be able to buy a home. And like mm -hmm. in Toronto, the average price of a home is well above 1 million. So regardless if it's over a million or under, we always get our buyers to 20% or what we call 80% LTV, like 80% loan to value. So yep. home buyer has to contribute minimum of 5%. And then we essentially put in the difference to get them to 20. So they, and the, our borough's minimum contribution is 5%. So that means that the, the homeowner can contribute anywhere from 5% to 15% of the purchase price towards their down payment, and then they get the corresponding share. So if they did 5% and Arbor did 15, the homeowner would have a 25% share and Arbor would have mm -hmm. a 75, but it could also go vice versa and anywhere in between. Interesting. Okay. And then you're saying it's not a loan. So you guys aren't charging interest on that 15%. Um... And there's no like prepaid repairment term or any sort of debt servicing involved. Even an administration fee, yeah. Where there's it, exactly it is quite it's it's quite simple. There's no there's no administration fees. There's no interest on that contribution. We do get a share of the upside in some instances. If we have seventy five percent share in the property, that's you know that's a, um, a considerable share of the future profit of that property. But again, how much equity that homeowner shares with Arbro is totally dependent on how much money they put up front. Right, the more money you put up front, the bigger risk you take, and ergo, the larger the reward at the end. So people do ask us like, what's what's the catch? You know, there's mm -hmm. no interest. Like it's essentially free money. Well, I mean. 
a few things. So the pro- the property is the homeowners to enjoy. They they live in it. They're a hundred percent there. No rent. There's no exactly. That's a thing. So we're not charging them rent on that property. Um, but in lieu of rent, they take care of it. They're responsible for the maintenance, the property taxes. They're paying the mortgage. So the interest expense on the mortgage essentially is is their rental expense. Um, the amount that goes towards the principal of the mortgage, they actually get back when that property is sold. That's just the way okay. our equity calculation works. Yeah. Um, so it, it's actually a very, very fair trade-off. Like if you were co-owning, if like Neil and Chandler, if you, if you do a co-owning together and one of you weren't living on the property, the other person will be paying you rent, right? The person who had lived on the property. To run that property while yeah. they're there. Yeah. So, so they get all the, the principal pay down. Yeah. And you just share in the appreciation and the amount you share in the appreciation is based on the percentage of down payment initially. That's right. Gotcha. So if you put in half the down payment, you'll get half of the appreciation in late terms. Okay. Yeah. And so how is it registered? Are you guys just like you're both on the deed? So we're not, we're not, I mean, because we're not on the mortgage, we're not on title. It is, that's actually another distinguishing point between us and other, you know, like rent to own programs, which you can get compared yeah. to a lot In rent to own programs. Usually the occupant, like the occupying owner is it may not even be on title and they may only have a fraction amount. Like the own part comes at the end of the agreement where they actually yeah. get ownership Ours is the opposite, Our, or not even the opposite. The homeowners are on title on day one, and they're always the, the title holder. Our borough, we have a beneficial interest in the property, and then our rights and obligations are governed by a co-ownership agreement, which we execute, as well as like you know other, other measures that we have in place to be able to protect the property in the event you know the owner is acting in bad faith and they're trying to sell without our consent. Um, so those kind of scenarios. What if I don't want to sell? What if I bought this and now I'm like, I'm staying here for 35 yeah. years? <laughs> yeah. I know it's going to use 35 an example because our co-ownership agreement allows people to own with us for up to 30 years, which is like a, a ton of flexibility. Yep. Like a lot. Hmm. It happens, you know, yep. in 30 years. Um, we were actually previously at 10 and we just recently expanded it to 30. But that's that's the beauty of it. So we, um, as investors, we can't force you out of the property. We do not have a right to force you out of the property as so long as you're, you know, um, in compliance with the terms of the co-ownership agreement. Mm-hmm. That said, you have the right to sell at any time. So we have no, there's no restrictions. There's no minimum the term? There's no minimum term. There is no, yeah, like we understand that homeowners are always acting in their best interest as well too, right? Yep. In other words, unless there's like a really good reason you probably wouldn't want to sell the property at a loss either. Yep. Um, so we take a great deal of pride in the fact that we've designed this co-ownership model where there truly is like very aligned incentives between us and the homeowners. That said, if you're in, we realize like if, if the homeowner does need to sell and the markets are unfavorable, they're probably doing it not because they really want to, because they really need to. Mm-hmm. And in those instances, we absolutely should not get in the way, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's actually more reason for us to not be in the way of those transactions. So we, we're never in the way whenever a person wants to legitimately leave the property and sell, there are no restrictions. And if you don't want to sell, you have the option to offer to buy out our bro share at any time during that 30 year period. Okay, so there is there. Is That's the what I was going to ask you about. So what does that would obviously re- require an appraisal and you say, okay, well, here's 
what the market value is based on appraisal. This is our value in the property and you guys can just buy us out at that amount. Yeah, we actually make it a bit simpler. Like if you two owned a property together, obviously, you know, one person cannot, you can't ever force the other party to sell you their share. For example, you know, if markets are down, you can't force the other person to sell Mm -hmm. at a loss. And so there's always this kind of element of uncertainty, like, oh, negotiating, what is that? What is a fair market value, you know, appraiser Mm -hmm. or, or not? So we actually tried to make it simpler and we at Arboro, we guarantee, in, ex- in other words, we are obligated to accept an offer to buy us out if the property has met a specific appreciation threshold. So we've actually built it to give our home buyers an additional level of like security and predictability. If they initiate, if they let us know that they want to do a buyout and through whatever third party assessments we use, it comes back that the fair market value of that property has exceeded our internal that, that threshold, then we're obligated to sell them our share. Anything below that threshold, then it's just up to us and the homeowners then to arrive at a mutually agreeable price. So how long have you guys been in existence? And can you give us some numbers about how much equity you've got out there floating around? Yeah, I mean, to the best I can in terms of what I'm allowed to share. But um, we've been um, we've been around since 2019 and we've done a number of pilot programs. We raised a few, you know, small funds to kind of test out and, and prototype. We really hit the market in terms of our marketing and making our product more publicly available only, I would say, in Q1 of 2022. Okay. So in just maybe just the last year and a bit, we've received... Um, over 1,600 applications from qualified buyers. Yeah, we've deployed right now over $6 million of capital alongside families across the GTA. And also we're now expanding our referral partner network. We have uh, actually over now 700 realtors and mortgage brokers that have been onboarded to our program and are kind of out there introducing this concept to their clients. And are you predominantly GTA-centric, at least for the time being, by... You know, not by design necessarily, but just by design, by design. I mean, I mean, there's a reason why Toronto is so attractive for a lot of startups and right. It's just population density. But also for us, um, the GTA has shown the most consistent real estate price appreciation. If you look at real estate prices in the GTA in the last 50 years, there's been an average of 77.5% year over year return for the last 50 years, which means Mm -hmm. like you buy a house today, that price will double 10 years. Right. Um, and so that's why we started in Toronto. And yes, of course, there's the density and the demand and Toronto being one of the most unaffordable regions to live in. So we did launch initially in the GTA, which here in Ontario, it's, re- it's referred to as like, we refer to it as the seven regions of there's the Toronto Real Estate Board has mm-hmm. specifically kind of seven regions that makes up the mm-hmm. GTA. Um, and then just uh, February of this year, we expanded to some new municipalities outside of the GTA. Hamilton, London, Guelph, Kitchener-Waterloo. Gotcha. Can you buy rental properties with this? <laughs> yeah, that's why I was going to go with that too. Like, buy, there, like a duplex or like an owner-occupied Yeah, duplex? what restrictions do you have on the product yeah. that you Yeah, yeah. so oh, I mean, our a lot of our, actually not a lot, but like the roots of our company really come from an impact space and that, that social enterprise mandate of being able to help homeowners have a stake in the communities that they live in, like, you know, to have a stake in the homes that they live in and be part of the communities. So at the moment, our product really is about getting people who would otherwise not have access to home ownership into homes for them and their families to live in. So Mm -hmm. we're not currently 
our, our product is currently not available to investors or those who are looking to purchase like a rental property and, you know, and rent out. So a key requirement is that it has to be your principal residence for the duration of the co-ownership agreement. I was like, can that be a duplex or like have a basement suite? I feel like a lot of homes there have basement suites or the carriage homes and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful question. Sorry if, if that was, if I missed, that was what you're no, asking. No, no, both, both, um, to be honest. Yeah. So as long as the property is your primary residence, um, you can rent out sections of the property if you have the, you know, if it's basement or secondary suite, so long as it's not more than 50%. That's just the CRA's definition of principal residence, okay. right? So, yeah. So if you, if there's the opportunity to do that, it's, it's definitely acceptable within our program. And then the owner keeps the rental. Okay. And that's what I say. So the rental income that comes from that is, goes to the owner. Yep. A hundred percent. So you mentioned that these are individuals who otherwise would um, not have access to the housing market. Can you kind of unpack what you mean by that, why that is, and whether or not that from a, a sheer liability and business perspective, like what what's the inherent risk of you essentially targeting people who otherwise would not be able to buy homes themselves? Yeah, really interesting. So, I mean, if you look at the stats, like over 30% of Canadians who bought homes got money from the bank of mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And we're essentially there for the remaining 70%. Yeah, I was going to say, I um, thought it was closer to 40% first time home buyers get support from their parents. Yeah, yeah, for like it could be higher exactly for first time home buyers. And so that's like, again, that's just evidence of generational wealth, like wealth begets wealth. And then if mm-hmm. you're unable to access that, you're locked out of the market. And the, well, I guess it's not so much ironic, but the thing is that a lot of the people who can, who are class A borrowers who have very high incomes, um, very much can afford to own a home. They just don't have access to the bank of mom and dad or access to that initial down payment. Yeah. So there's actually very like no additional risk in terms of if this person can qualify for a mortgage, right? right there, there's no difference in terms of inherent risk for them being a homeowner. What, what about like capital improvements? So I've bought a house with you guys, mm-hmm. but I decided to put an addition onto it with my, my money and I've renovated the kitchen. What, how do you guys handle stuff like that? Yeah, of course. And we definitely want to incentivize our homeowners to take care of the property. And sometimes that like, yes, like preventative maintenance, absolutely. But also if they want to make improvements to increase the value, we definitely encourage that. So we have a renovation credit program in place where if they're seeking to make an upgrade that they think will increase the value of the home, they let us know. We can even tell them like how much based on stats and just, you know, our our analysis, what the expected increase and the value of the property could be. And they essentially get a credit. Um, not upfront, but they uh, at time of sale they get a larger share of the proceeds right. based on yeah their contributions right. to the renovation. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there any issue with banks being involved? Like, has there been any kickback from a bank being not interested? I know here we have what's called the Nova Scotia Down Payment Assistance Program, and every time I go to a broker or a bank, they're never keen to put it through, and that's oh, where Nova yeah. Scotia kicks in the five percent. Now there is debt servicing on that. So I think that well, there's a debt servicing and also just the the muddiness of another thing being on title because it is registered on title. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you guys so, got yeah. any pushback on that? Aren't registered on exactly. title? There's no concern. Yeah, so we've gotten a lot of like we work closely with um, lenders. We've gotten feedback from regulatory bodies and a ton of my work has been with lawyers um, just to make our product mm-hmm. as frictionless for lenders as possible. Um, that said, you do ask a very good question. Anytime there's a new product, it takes a long time for it to gain mainstream acceptance, especially among these institutions, these like legacy institutions and their ways of doing things. So fortunately, um, shared equity is gaining mainstream momentum and the, um, 
regulatory, the federal regulatory body that oversees institutions and like down payments and mortgage adjudication, et cetera, last year came out with guidelines specifically clarifying shared equity contributions on down payments and how they could be evaluated, like what's acceptable and what's not. So obviously, you know, we're very much on side with that. So that opened the door for a lot more conversations with lenders who are looking for, who understand the problem, quite frankly, who understand that a lot of people are no longer able to own real estate. Um, so we're working with many of those lenders, but it is, it's an uphill, like it, it takes time because I mean, as as enthusiastic as some of these institutions are, it takes time to go through the due diligence to get them to make the changes that they need to in their systems. So we are very fortunate. We have some phenomenal lending partners we're currently work with right now. Our primary lending partner is Equitable Bank. Um, nice. And so a lot of, yeah, a lot of our buyers are going there for their mortgages. Um, do you guys look at all types of inventory? Um, like, would you guys do condos? Would you do new construction? Are there any restrictions on that? We don't do pre-construction okay. um, because it's just a very different investment. Yeah, like you pay your totally. deposit and just the occupancy period, the risk associated with that. We're definitely looking into ways to be able to do new construction in the sense that this is available inventory that's being sold by the developer. It's ready. It's like ready for title transfer. By all accounts, it's very similar to resale. It's just mm -hmm. you're buying yep. it from the developer versus an individual. So we're, we're working on that because I know um, there's quite a bit of demand for that. <laughs> Just give it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah. it's only resale right now, then only resale right now. That's correct. Okay. So, so on that same note, qualifying like a buyer, are you saying if they qualify for the mortgage, you guys are pretty comfortable at that point? Or is there another set of steps that they need to go through to qualify for you guys? Well, they go through our onboarding. And so, okay. I mean, other than our criteria, like geographic location, and we have like min purchase price and max. So we don't buy properties that are below 500, like 550 and above 2.5 million. <laughs> right. So we have. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll go to the Halifax market. Well, yeah. I mean, if you go to Halifax, that of course yeah. has to be adjusted. Yeah. Just yeah. like, you know, 2.5 may seem yeah. like you're buying a palatial estate yeah. in Halifax, but yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's a different game yeah. in Toronto. So, yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, so as long as they meet some of our program requirements yeah from an underwriting standpoint if they qualify for mortgage we we approve um they they should be able to work with us so you say you kind of come at this or you originate this from a i don't know the term that you used but um more of a gosh impact. a social what, what was what was your wording impact an impact impact so yeah can you explain a little bit like what that means to you guys Yes, for sure. And um, even speaking personally from my own like career narrative, like having began in Bay Street and in finance and then moving into the nonprofit and then ba eventually back into the for-profit side of things, it's always, it's the narrative is very much that could we use profit-seeking capital to create positive impact? And could we, it's rather than just proliferate this idea that profit-seeking capital, especially in real estate, it's always just, it's greedy, it's landlords, it's exploitation, you know what I mean? And it's driving prices up. So um, I'm here, like, I've, I've been here to talk about the the product and the customer and the and side of things, but a very important aspect of our company is the investment side. So um, my colleague, Nick Pope, he, he leads the investment management side of Arbro, where we raise and manage capital on behalf of accredited investors who would you know, rather help homeowners 
get into properties that they can take care of rather than just being rather than being landlords. And so right. we pool our capital in a fund and then it's that capital that we use to deploy alongside homeowners. So these investors get access to the same like uh, real estate appreciation trajectory. They get access to a diversified portfolio of real estate and, and they're benefiting from that steady um, appreciation of value that we've seen in real estate, residential real estate markets for, you know, for decades. Do you, I, I love it. But I'm just already imagining the mindset being a landlord and being in this game and taking a lot of heat for being a, we'll say, a profiteer as per uh, accusation. Um, is there a concern that, like, when people go to sell and like, oh, I bought my house for a million bucks and I sold it for two million, and now I'm only getting five hundred grand because this other company took the five hundred thousand dollars? And like, my mindset is okay. So now we're borrowing, let's say, eighty percent from a bank but they only made their 4% the whole way along. And so they let me 80% of the property's value and they made 4% each year. These guys let me 10% of the property value and they're walking away with $500,000. Do you think when the time comes to start checking some of these out that the general public's mindset might shift? Like I, I totally agree with the program and I think it makes a ton of yeah. sense. Yeah. I just know how people look at things and when sure. when they get that statement of adjustments on closing day. And oh, I know, that, right? That check going, <laughs> when you see that I, check going out, then they're like, you buy on your own. Like even if you're doing I, your own, the statement of adjustments is horrifying. <laughs> exactly. And, and they quickly forget that they probably couldn't have bought the house if you guys hadn't have gotten involved. Well, that's exactly. But now we're on the flip side of it. And now it's time to take our profits or take the win or make the next move. And, and that's going to happen. Do you think that might take place? Like, as you said, because this marketplace is growing, like the, the, the shared equity marketplace uh, is kind of continuing to grow rightfully so because of prices, but I don't know. That, that's just where my mind went when you said that. No, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's right on, right on the nose because I mean, to unpack your arguments there a little bit, first of all, it's sort of, recognizing the difference between risk capital versus debt capital. Like, you know, a mortgage, yeah. you get that 4% interest year over year. That's yeah. risk-free in a sense. Like you're guaranteed that yeah. um, as from the bank perspective, you're more or less guaranteed the principal and the yield um, yep. for the duration of that mortgage. So you take way less risk and therefore the upside for the bank is significantly less, even though the absolute dollar value that they initially put up front is higher. In terms yep. of equity contribution, it's equity. It's risk capital. We take the upside along with the downside. There's going to be properties in our portfolio that will decrease for whatever reason, and we will not recover our investment. And the homeowner is in no way obligated to pay us back. Like there just isn't that, it's not a debt obligation. So that's one thing. So with greater risk comes greater reward. On that sense. statement of adjustments piece, you know, the shock factor, <laughs> realize that yeah. they are sharing that with us. You're exactly right. The argument is, People cannot compare us against what they would otherwise have gotten if they owned on their own, because yeah. that would not have been an option for them on day one. They ought exactly. to compare, yeah. right? The half a million dollars that they did get, that's first of all, that's tax-free income, right? Mm -hmm. And that's income that they need to compare against what they would have made if they were still renting and just like desperately saving and putting and trying to make a similar return in the stock market, which arguably is, is then taxable income. Yeah, yeah, and I think to your point about targeting the, the GTN, maybe a certain type of buyers, like a program like this is not going to be for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and part of that is, is kind of obvious in what you just sent there. But yeah, the idea would be if you're in a market that's running at 5 to 7% appreciation a year, which would be on the low end, but let, let's go back mm -hmm. to maybe historical norms and say say 7% in the GTA mm -hmm. year. Um, you've got to spend three years of renting at you know 
3000 bucks a month to accumulate the additional down payment to get you qualified. In that time, the market's up 21% and you've just sunk whatever that $100,000 is. So, so you've sunk another, another 5%, um, you know, just, just a sunk cost in, into your rent. So there is 26% in the three years that it would take for you to otherwise accrue the, the down payment. So exactly. um, yeah, it's kind of like getting the snowball rolling earlier. Yeah. It's right? just yeah. getting no. on that train. Yeah. Yeah. And again, in a lot of cases, someone might, might be putting 10% down and, and, and to um, get a bigger equity yeah. upside. Yep. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it before and I can't hundred percent remember. So I apologize, but do you have to get to 20% or will you guys do CMHC loans? Oh, uh, we don't go over 20% if, if that's what you're asking. So we get, sorry, so max 20, but could you do a 10% like where you, each person puts in five? Uh, we can't be below 20% either. So all of so you're, you're, okay, you're 20, so 20, yeah. 20 is the number. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, oh, that's what you mean by so CMHC. And, yeah. The, or no, we, we, that's exactly it. We help our buyers avoid CMHC insurance. Okay. So they're not doing insured products. It's, it's uninsured products, 80, 20. And then you guys are making up the difference to basically get to the 20. And so technically if someone had 17%, you guys would put in 3%. Our minimum is five. Yeah. Your minimum five. Sorry. Yeah. Minimum is yeah. five. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, um, I mean, there's also that thing you're like, oh, and you know, the, the bank loaned 80%, but they only charged five. It's like, man, that 5% interest it's annual. on, on, on it's annual, right? So it's over five years compounding, like it, it gets up. There. And they, like you said, they, they're on a reduced risk because they have a guarantee, like in three years, if they want out, they're yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So they're, they're then selling off that as an investment product. Um, interesting. No, this is, I, I think it's really cool. Like I said, I wasn't asking that question because I'm like skeptical of it. I think well, it's an amazing be, program. I just know. We'll ask has, it. There's people who are listening to this and we'll be thinking it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was, that was my only thought process on it. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was, it was, it's a really neat product. I suspect you guys will grow immensely. Like you said, you have a ton of applicants. So is like the holdup right now getting funds or underwriting the deals? What's cause you have 1600, I imagine you're, you could easily get to like 20 million deployed. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, there's that's top of funnel. And so there's conversion, you know, some of those people who applied wouldn't qualify. True. We lose a lot of people at that mortgage qualification stage. Um, right. Yeah. Obviously based on like their income criteria, et cetera, do, the, the number one thing is, do they qualify for the mortgage that they need a lot of time? Like they qualify, but it may not be as much as they hope they would have got, you know, would have wanted to mm-hmm, buy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we do lose quite a bit of our pipeline in that mortgage pre-qualification stage. And then we're always going to be, um, supply constrained, like where we have that fundraising side. So we're constantly raising funds for, we, we just recently, um, received an investment from CMHC. So, uh, yeah, so oh, that wow. will be oh. that will be part of you know press release and whatever and come out. So the so CMHC is essentially have invested in our fund and help us to um, like we will be deploying that capital um, in through our program. That's really cool. That is very cool. So you guys qualify through because I know CMHC has some investment yeah. programs for real estate based businesses, but assuming that they're actually going to benefit the market, so they qualify this as something that genuinely benefits people's ability to own and and get on the yeah. ladder. This That's is exciting. sort of their way. Yeah, I mean, they recognize that their first-time homebuyer incentive program is quite restrictive. So this is their way to, you know, reach a larger audience of people. And, and they see the value in our program, like our, our product, and, and being able to efficiently deploy that capital, but and then serving the same mandate. So, That's huge. So for investors who want to put their money into your fund to then go and, um, you know, I don't want to say lend this money, because you know, it's not a loan, but but you, you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> what sort of... Invest. invest. Yeah, invest. Yeah, uh, yeah invest. Um <laughs> what what sort of rate of return do you often offer them and, and in what sort of terms do you have? Because again, they may put their money in something and unbeknownst to them, the dollar they invested might go to someone who sits in a home for 30 years, but surely they must have some flexibility in there as well. 
Yeah. So I do want to be careful and not speaking to the investment side of things. Cause that's not, you know, that's really not my area of expertise. You know, we do, my colleague is very much, so I'd be happy to connect you with Nick. If you do have more um, questions on the investment side of things, okay. but I will say that we are a, we're actually, our majority shareholder is a private equity fund. So we do have a um, peerage capital. They're the brand behind Sotheby's and Chestnut Park. So we do have significant and very credible investors already kind of backing our company and our program. And then on the investment raising side, we're, we're attracting capital from um, um, not retail investors in the sense that just regular, like all of our investors are accredited investors or family offices mm -hmm. or institutional investors. Gotcha. So they okay. do have different risk profile, patient capital, but it is, um, our investment product is, is a 10 year term. 10 year term. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, so when you guys come on to Nova Scotia, we're going to be on the real estate uh, agent list. For sure. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, so so what are you? <laughs> Yeah, what what are your plans for that expansion wise? We will probably more likely go west before we go east. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. You and everyone else. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you and all the other money in the world. Yeah. But what do you guys um, do about the hurricanes? Like there's there is a big What is what does Calgary do about the floods and the burning right? fires? Everyone's got their issues. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Like they're not that bad. They're not that we're bad. We're very hilly here. Like, so people yeah. think, oh my gosh, hurricanes, like, man, we're all in land. Very, like, very much a Neil's gonna, level. Yeah. Neil's yeah. going to wash away when this lake rises a little bit yeah. <laughs> and no insurance companies covers yeah. over, over land flooding. So Neil's screwed, but I'm, I'm, I'm up on a nice hill, man. I can yeah. <laughs> higher up than we are here. We're six stories up. But. Uh, yeah. And our, our market is growing pretty quickly. Um, I think the city might get in the way of that a little bit, but. I think we'll eventually be on the map. We're slowly, we're, we're, we're inching our way there. I mean, it was the place to be during COVID. Like I have at least three people yeah. in my network that moved out East. Two of them yeah. opened yeah. hotels. Like yeah. it was just the thing to do. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean like the thing, our prices are going to have to go up here because we're terrible at generating new stock. Um, yeah. So it's just going to have to get, our price are going to have to go up here. Yeah, I mean, Neil and I may disagree on that because Neil's more doom and gloom, but like <laughs> we are probably amongst the worst in Canada at getting new housing stock. So why is that? What does that mean? Why? Is that? Um, because we, we the infrastructure in we place, are a, really we, ever. Yeah, we are a um, town that grew into a city. So you drive those 20 minutes and you no longer have municipal services. Uh, you don't have oh, transit. Okay. You don't have anything. Right. The roads and, aren't and built so, out. The highway systems aren't built out. Water? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, like honestly, like Neil. I'm not, not trying to rag on Neil here. <laughs> Neil lives in, in, in a lovely area, you know, beautiful, stunning home that took its water from the lake. And right? Like, and, and that, I'm sure, like a septic. He's septic yeah. But a lake, yeah. man. Like, yeah. I'm sucking the water from the lake, from the lake and I right? have a septic. And no one thinks it's a big deal. And it's like a 40 minute commuter from downtown, right? Like, um, so we have these problems. And then our council reflects our, our demographics, which is um, late adopters uh right. nimbyism um don't want anything to change and so we are slow at housing stock i know everywhere in the country is slow at housing stock but man we got to be we got to be amongst the slowest so as a result like our prices are going to just have to go up interesting yeah okay yeah. well good to know i mean we do follow i mean it's obviously where we expand to is very much an investment um investment team call because they're looking at you know where's the returns but there's a scenario mm -hmm. where we get big enough and our portfolio and our assets under management is large enough that we can be like regionally agnostic, right? Like it just, yeah, 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 yeah. But we're so nuanced, right? Like you'd have to stick to like, I don't know, a 10 kilometer radius. Yeah. Which I mean, it is the whole city. 
well, what's it to sack? It's like 16 to sack here. Maybe yeah. like a seven kilometer radius because maybe, yeah. maybe if you're on actual water, if you're, that could be your, yeah, your, yeah. your limiting factor. Municipal services. <laughs> yeah. But, um, listen, I, I think that's probably all the questions we have, but, yep. um, just sort of, if you were to, um, you know, elevator pitch this as why our borough has a space in the Canadian market at this particular time, like contextualize what you're doing right now and why it's so important for our, our Canadian market right now. Yeah. I would say that our traditional ways of doing so many things have changed and real estate has been one of the oldest and and, and an industry and also a sector that is just belabored with a lot of like traditions and regulatory. It's just about time that there are more innovative solutions to think about home ownership. And we're not the only ones like there's rent to own models out there. There's other alternatives. There's co-owning with even just friends or family, which is gaining in popularity. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I would say overall, like and the studies and the research suggests like millennials, Gen Z's, or just even the future generations, their perceptions towards home ownership is changing more so in the sense that they just feel hopeless around being able to own a home. And so it's time that our financial models and our investor perceptions shift to be able to figure out how to um, how to change that, like for the better. We don't have to play by like the same rules in terms of you either rent or you own 100%. Why not play somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle and um, have yeah. some fun in the meantime? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I, I like your point of like private capital, but ultimately – um, you know, individual ownership of the property at the end of the day, yes, right? Like there exactly. can still be, you know, profit pursuit over here, um, but both. allow someone to have have independent title to the property. Yeah. Yeah. If I could just also add, like we we position ourselves not to be the forever solution for a family or an individual. Like we we know that the ideal scenario is that a, a family or you know an individual uses us for that starter home, and not mm-hmm. their forever home. And then they build up enough equity, they get into the market, they get on that train, like we were talking about, build up enough mm-hmm. equity, sell, and then they can buy their next home without Arbro. Like that yeah. is the goal, right? That's creating, yeah, exactly, that's creating the financial resilience and and the opportunity to be able to get people to break into the market where they otherwise wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. That's it awesome. also kind of serves that sector of the market that's most um, precarious right now, which is the young small family that can't find a three bedroom rental because they kind of don't exist. Um, and increasingly are really coming up against obstacles to buy that small starter home. Like that is the most precarious uh, of people who've, you know, lucky is historically did have access to the housing market, but now don't. In addition to all the people now that just don't have access to the housing market for all kinds of reasons, the young family, which I still think maybe should be the, the nucleus or, or the focus of our, you know, our, our society, you know, making sure those young families are, are in good shape. That's the one probably most at risk. And that's what, what this could serve really well. And a lot of them are being pushed out, right? They're being forced to leave the communities where their kids go to school, where their parents work, just so they can afford the home that they can live in, which just seems absurd. Yeah. Yeah. As well too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right on. Okay. Awesome. All right. That's Alex from our borough, uh, which I think is a super cool program. And if you guys have any other questions, we're going to link all their socials and all the information there. Um, and thanks so much for making the time. Thanks, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Thanks so much for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, press like. Don't forget to subscribe. But also check us out on Instagram and TikTok. You can find all the links below. Thanks again for checking us out. Broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits.